Welcome to another episode of Good Morning Camera. I am joined by Anthony as always. Anthony, look, there, there's a lot to talk about and there's a lot we can't talk about, but I'm excited <laughs> for this episode and future episodes of Good Morning Camera. Uh, but really quickly, where are you? I can't see you. Yeah, yeah. so currently I'm sitting in front of Soft Mock Shoes. Uh, this is not sponsored. But uh, right next to Soft Mock Shoe is Henry's Heartland. <laughs> and uh, I'm sitting in my car. Gadget said, hey, let's do an episode. I'm like, oh, it's going to be a busy day. But, you know, let's make it happen. I got the cloud lifter set up into the uh, Zoom PodTrack P4. And I bet this sounds pretty dang good. People record podcasts in their car all the time. Uh, and the cloud lifter is one of those essential tools that are going to make this sound pretty decent. Look at that. Anthony Jackson live on the scene for Good Morning Camera. Let's not waste any more time because we're going to talk about Sony's latest flagship device that puts a focus on video and photo. A brand new, interesting, interesting storage solution that I think I want to switch to. But first, we're going to start mm -hmm. with DGI. DJ, DJI. <laughs> DJI. DJI. And their Mini 3 Pro drone. Anthony, what's going on here? Tell us about this newly announced drone. Yeah, so uh, really there are actually a number of upgrades that you kind of have to break this down into. So there's the drone, which is uh, an announcement, of course, on its own. But then there's also the controller. And the controller is something that also is worthy talking about. So let's like tackle the drone first. Uh, we got a 1.3 inch sensor uh, and it's a little bit larger than that one inch sensor. So uh, you're gonna definitely notice a little bit of a difference compared to the previous models in terms of the quality and such. Uh, we got a 48 megapixel photo capability, but also 4K video up to 60 frames per second. We have uh, active track and tri-directional uh, tri obstacle sensing, which the previous Mini did not have. And it's very key because I was flying my Mini 2 around uh, by uh, the, the by Henry's and uh, just crashed it, uh, broke a leg off of it. So this is a huge upgrade for people who have crashed a drone before. But that's not it. There's a 90 degree gimbal rotation. So this allows you to shoot vertical orientation. And if I'm not mistaken, I think this is actually the, one of the first drones that has this capability. So you can take advantage of the full sensor and then rotate your video, uh, rotate the camera. So that way you can upload to Instagram stories and post photos uh, in that vertical orientation. But then the last thing is the battery. And the battery can maintain to up, up to 34 minutes of flight time. And I think this is absolutely huge for uh, such a small little drone. You really have to see it to kind of see how small it is. I saw Peter McKinnon's thumbnail and he's got it like in a sandwich uh, in between two pieces of bread there. So really such a small little compact thing, but that's the drone. And I think this is uh, actually quite a decent upgrade. The quality looks fantastic. What do you yeah, think? I'm, when, I, when I saw the announcement, went through the press release and what they have here, uh, when I looked at the vertical content, my mind obviously just went to, you know, I didn't think about the, the, the more practical thing. I thought the drone was going to flip on its side and start flying sideways, <laughs> propeller first. And I'm like, that seems dangerous. And then, of course, no, it's just the camera that flips, ver mm -hmm. you, know, you know, 90 degrees. So you hit that vertical content. So anyone that thought that, listen, you're not alone. The other thing is that battery life. 
is that battery life? Is yeah. that you get this 100%. drone uh, below that 249 grams, making it skirt a lot of restrictions on drone flight and drone operation. Um, but to have it, you know, this size and give you 34 minutes, or if you get, you know, the extended battery, you're getting around 47 minutes. Mm-hmm. I think that's what makes this more compelling because, you know, when you're operating this kind of product, you know, for the for the creator, for the casual creator, 34 minutes is, is quite a long time, right? If Whether you're tracking a vehicle, maybe, you know, this is what we did yeah. in Iceland when I, when I had the Mavic 2 Pro is, you know, fly this thing up, have it track our vehicle as we were driving down a mountainside. Um, yeah. I, I'm not doing that for more than 30 minutes because, <laughs> you know, you obviously want to protect the product and you probably got the shot. You don't want, you don't need that much footage around that kind of content. I... I'm really intrigued by this product. However, I'm at a place right now where I'm not necessarily compelled by it. I don't feel the sort of urgency to go and pick one up. But just looking at the specs, just looking at what this brings to the table, is this something that you think you'd want to have part of your filmmaking kit, Anthony? Personally, I kind of do because well, I don't know. It, I, it might just be me because uh, I I I crashed my drone, knocked the leg, uh, one of the arms, like right off of it, and uh, having that obstacle avoidance, that is so crucial uh, when you're flying these things. And these things can get pretty fast. And uh, one thing that we didn't talk about is the controller. The controller actually has uh, antennas built into the controller itself. It has the screen connected to the controller. So no longer are you connecting your phone to the controller. And I always had problems with the connection uh, from my phone into the controller. I didn't like uh, how you're just relying on that one cable to keep connected to your drone. And there were multiple times where my phone disconnected from the controller uh, on my Mini 2. And uh, it was just, it was such a pain. And then you like freak out because you lose, you lose all connection to your drone. So I was terrified every time I would go out and fly. Uh, And this controller actually makes it uh, a lot more, you feel a little sense of security uh, when you're flying maybe this guy. Yeah, I I think, if, you know, to summarize, they've really taken all the technology and advancements they've accrued over, you know, almost close to a decade now, and they've brought it into this product where it feels like it's going to be easy to operate, you can rely on, get a great shot with that sensor, um, mm-hmm. and, and, and just use it more liberally, where, you know, previous iterations, it felt like you had to get the Pro to get the best experience, and the Mini ones, well, or the Spark even... You know, you're shortchanged <laughs> yeah. in some capacity, right? So knowing that, I, I guess my last question is, do you think drones have peaked? Because uh, for me, while this is cool, while this is interesting, I don't feel like there's that, you know, community excitement that there's going to be a ton of people dropping money in pre-orders to get this thing. Where, you know, mm-hmm. those that are looking for drone shots might, ha- you know, go to someone that has a drone already to get it for them. So in that regard, do you think the drone sort of audience and and the creator community has peaked? Well, I think the license and registration kind of aspect of the drone kind of scene has definitely put a damper on the excitement around these drones. Now, uh, now we have to stick under 
like that 250 grams. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see uh, what comes in the future. But I do think that things are just going in the direction of getting smaller and lighter. Uh, and I love this uh, movement that the DJI is kind of putting out where, you know, they're giving you these drones in such a small, compact uh, option uh, and these are a lot of fun to fly if you've never flown one I suggest you at least try it with a friend in maybe a park where there's <laughs> nothing around uh, but it is kind of terrifying because you know you could lose a thousand dollar item by crashing it into the water a tree or whatever so um, I don't think they've peaked I think it's going to be more interesting as things going to go on and see what comes in such a smaller lighter package so I, I think I'm excited for for this kind of announcement yeah, I mean, kudos to them. Interesting, you know, product. Can't wait to see more uh, people actually using it, see what they can do when it's in creators' hands. But enough with DJI. We're going to move on to something far more exciting, and that's storage, mm. folks, and storage <laughs> solutions. Gadget um, is a absolute... Gadgen's an absolute like nerd on storage. So I, like, when he sends me this link, I'm like, this is a Gadget topic. Hey, hey, what... <laughs> Like, if you can't store your footage, what are you? What's going on, <laughs> folks? Come on now. So, look. This is really cool. What's, let what's me going preface on with this? this with a little personal story, right? Like, having shot a lot of content and dealing with massive files and clips and an archive over years, I'm always thinking about what is sort of the long-term storage solution. And I went to this QNAP uh, network-attached storage where it's six bays, put 12 terabyte hard drives in each of those bays um, and setting it up in a configuration where, you know, it, it's constantly just backing up my stuff to the cloud and it's great. And then I'll have a set of smaller drives that I use SSDs that I use while I'm editing. I was almost like working drives, but you know, they kind of sit independent of each other, right? You have a, a storage solution that you're working with. And then this massive thing that's treated like an archive. Mm -hmm. And I thought, well, what if they could talk to each other a bit more, work together a bit better? Like, what does that solution look like? And SanDisk went ahead and introduced something very, very interesting. It is their ProBlade modular SSD ecosystem. And it's essentially three, four core products that are going to launch this family. And I imagine after... I think what's going to be the success of this in the community, and especially in the video community, there's going to be more products to come. But if you're listening to this, I want you to imagine, first, there are these SanDisk NMV SSD, NMVE SSD drive. It almost looks like an e-cigarette, this little flat disk, um, <laughs> rectangular in shape. That is the storage, right? So you can get them in the one, two, or four terabyte capacities, and that's your storage. You then will have an enclosure to that storage, and that brings it to the size of, you know, maybe a wallet. You know, it just it adds a bit more width to it, and you can kind use that of the, to plug in via USB-C to your machine, making your one, two, or four terabyte drive accessible now to whatever you're working on, right? So you imagine you buy mm -hmm. the storage, you have the enclosure, the enclosure, you can get it as a kit as well, and it's a standard SSD drive that you can edit off of. What is taking this even further is that they've introduced a ProBlade station where you can mm -hmm. take that NM, N, <laughs> I gotta be careful here, <laughs> NVMe drive out of the enclosure and put it into what looks like a larger desktop uh, hard drive and you plug it in and it has four bays, four slots. So 
This is where it starts to become interesting, where you can say, get a two terabyte drive, use it, store your photos, your memories, your videos, all that kind of stuff. And when it fills up, you throw it into the bay, you get another two terabyte drive, you start using it, and you start to sort of have this communication between your blade station at home that has mm -hmm. access to multiple storage, uh, SSD storage solutions, and then you have a working drive and they work together. So as you add more storage, it can work with your bay. You're not having to buy storage twice, if that makes sense. So to bring this mm -hmm. back to my analogy, you know, I have a big network attached storage with six bays. And if they fill up, I got to buy another one there. And if I have my working drives fill up or they don't have enough capacity, I have to buy another one. And that is not compatible with my network attached storage. Network attached storage. So this seems to allevi alleviate that. Now, it comes in at a very expensive price. You're working with SSDs instead of hard drives, it's gonna be very expensive. But over the long term, it seems like the best solution just because of redundancy and in terms of speed of how quickly this can work. What's also mm -hmm. interesting is that that bay, it works with USB-C and allows you to daisy chain them. So if you fill up the four bays, you can get another one and plug another one in. I think they might release a six and maybe even an eight bay solution in the future. Anthony, I've talked a lot about this product, trying to explain it to the people listening. <laughs> I'm very excited about this direction and I'm hoping other manufacturers sort of take note here. But for you, uh, who may be like, you know, not as interested, I, I, I'm curious to hear what your impressions are of this product. Yeah, I think there's huge benefits uh, for certain cameras uh, recording straight to an SSD drive uh, rather than buying like an expensive CF uh, Express or CF card just in general. Um, having that option to record to an SSD, especially if you're using those higher end cameras, I think is actually really exciting. And you, what you didn't mention is the read and write speeds that this uh I guess these memory drives, I guess you can call them, uh, have. And we're talking 2,000, is that megabits per second? Megabits yeah. per second uh, through its USB-C. So that's 20 is gigabytes. Oh, no, 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 no. 2,000 megabytes per second. It, yeah, so 2,000 megabytes per second. And then we're, so that is 20 gigabits per second. That's these are crazy like speeds like that's so nuts <laughs> and yeah. on top of that one another kind of key feature that you didn't talk about is that these are rated to handle a three meter drop and a four thousand pound crush <laughs> they have four thousand pounds of crush resistance <laughs> so like the layers of security that you're getting in a solution like this is actually pretty slick so i can understand why you're excited it's a very <laughs> Uh, and maybe some people say over-engineered. I think it's exactly what uh, video creators and people that just deal with a lot of content and turning over a lot of content will appreciate. And, and I, I should I should say it's Thunderbolt drives on the back. So again, daisy chaining this at home. I'm excited. I'm geeking out. So uh, suffice to say, <laughs> I'm at a point where I'm like, okay, I can see myself moving to a solution like this. Do you think this is something that you'd ever consider in your production, in your future? Uh, definitely in the future. I, I don't think I'm at that point right now. Uh, I could totally understand how you're so excited about this and it totally makes sense for somebody like you. Right now I'm using the Fuji X-T4. Uh, I record to the Atomos Ninja V and that records to these Angel Bird SSD mini drives. 
uh, and I'm I'm actually more excited to invest in some of those angel bird drives right now uh, and have to you know suffer with dumping one hard drive at a time because that's one of the features again that uh, wasn't mentioned uh, about this whole docking system is that you can then dump all of these memory cards uh, from these SanDisk memory cards onto like your your desktop at the same time or all at once right so if you're shooting like really high-end kind of footage then you're dumping all of the, your memory cards at once so uh, for somebody who is using higher-end cameras I think this is super exciting uh, but for me I'm really happy with my setup right now uh, I'm loving the Angelbird SSD drives the the SSD mini drives uh, and that's I think where I'm gonna stick with right now but I could totally understand some people using those higher end cameras you're using the red komodo right and uh this definitely makes sense for for someone like yourself i i i'm excited i'm excited i'm gonna leave it at that i'm not gonna talk about this anymore <laughs> i think people might be tired of me talking about storage solutions at home so let's move on to our last topic and it is sony sony has announced the xperia one mark four which really seems to put a focus on the video creator um, I'll quickly run through some of the key specs here, but it is the first smartphone, as far as I know, with a true optical zoom lens that can shoot between 85 and 125 millimeters there. There's three cameras on the back where there's 16, 24, and then that zoom, you know, and they have varied aperture ratings. So the 24, probably the best lens on it is a f1.7, 12 megapixel. The 16 is 2.2, 12 megapixel. Um, I'm looking at this thing and, and and it seems like Sony's trying to bring in a lot of the energy, excitement and engineering from their Sony Alpha division into this camera. And you're looking mm -hmm. at their sensor sizes that have improved on the front and on the back as well. You're looking at the, the, the type of content they're showcasing and how people are using this and bringing in color sciences as well as uh, metering options and the apps available here using that Venice branding into the video production side of things. The OLED display, the bigger battery that they're throwing into this thing. This is, you know, quite a killer product if you're just looking at the <laughs> specs, right? Like there's just a lot of stuff in here to make this a pretty killer video tool. So I guess my first question to you is looking at this product, looking at what it can do and, 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 what's supposed to do. What are your first impressions with this phone? So usually I'm not too excited about any mobile phone release. Um, but when you're talking this kind of specs, you have to at least take a look at what's going on here because an 85 to 125 millimeter telephoto optical zoom lens in a smartphone like that's kind of crazy. Uh, normally we can get this stuff like in digital zoom and then you're suffering like a huge quality loss. If we're talking like an optical zoom, that's super interesting. You got this, these, it's essentially three Zeiss lenses attached to this Sony sensor that's in a mobile device. At first glance, it's something that I, I think people should pay attention to. But at the same time, I do not, uh, I do not pay attention to any mobile device uh, announcement. <laughs> uh, and I don't know, we'll, we'll kind of get into it here, but... <laughs> so, I mean, it's, you, it's you, you're, te you're teasing me. You're teasing up the next question here, all right? <laughs> Does this make a compelling case to switch, to upgrade? I, I, I am 
I'm an iPhone user, right? So yeah. does this for creators with whatever device they might be having, is there enough on the table for you to be like, you know what? Maybe this is the next phone I get. Because I'll tell you right now, probably not for me. Yeah, I, this can yeah. be great. <laughs> and unfortunately or fortunately, I am locked in that Apple ecosystem with, you know, AirDrop, iMessage, and iCloud, yeah. where it's just this thing works really well. The content I enjoy on this thing is great. And Apple's doing great stuff when it comes to video and photo on their side as well. So mm -hmm. I can't see myself ever switching because fortunately, you know, and maybe fortunately for others, this is running <laughs> on an Android operating system. So however good of a creator tool it is, the software for me will, will never be compatible. For someone like yeah. you, where, you know, you don't upgrade as often, you don't really care uh, too much about what's happening in the smartphone and mobile space. Is there here enough worth your consideration that in the future you might consider switching or upgrading to this? So short answer, absolutely not. Um, <laughs> but I will tell you that uh, this photo, uh, this photo mode on this camera is actually one of the most interesting uh, portrait mode. They call it like bokeh mode. Um, this is one of the most interesting features and the best iteration of portrait mode that I think I've ever seen. The out of focus backgrounds actually look really natural, which is really nice. So that's the good in this in this uh, <laughs> announcement, right? Here's where I struggle with this, okay? This is coming in at $15.99.99 price tag and that's in US dollars. So that equates to $20.91 Canadian. Now, that is so expensive for a mobile device. And I actually think people spend way too much on their mobile phone and then don't necessarily use it for a creator tool unless we're talking about the TikTokers. TikTokers, I think for somebody who is doing TikTok, a mobile phone is a worthy investment. But then I go on Kijiji and I see somebody selling an X-T3 with a battery grip for $16.99 Canadian. And then you could almost buy uh, the 23 mil or 20, yeah, 23 millimeter F2 lens on top of that for the price tag of this smartphone device. And I just think about like that combination of tools battery grip the 23 millimeter f2 you are just going to get way better results i'm looking at the the canon rp right now uh, as a very viable option with a 24 to 105 kit lens that comes in at 1549.99 on our website and that's in canadian dollars as well so you're going to save some change and get yourself an rp with a 24 to 105 that is just absolutely insane i think people spend way too much money on their smartphones i went to i went to uh, uh kudo a little while ago uh, this is probably like over a year ago now i upgraded to the iphone 7 a hundred bucks <laughs> that photo is the the camera on it is terrible the video on it is terrible but i have a fuji xc4 that is a killer camera i have an x-pro Two that is gonna be that's gonna take way better photos than any mobile device could ever do. I don't know. For me, it doesn't make sense. I could understand it for the TikToker, but you got to think about this this stuff logically. You know what I mean? I hear you. I I I I, I can't disagree with you. I can't disagree. With you. I was very much 
um, a new mobile device every year kind of person. I'd flip the old one. So, you know, it's still an investment, but I always thought it's not much of an investment. And last year was the first year where like, yeah, I kind of over that now. I don't need the latest device every single 100%. year because I use, you know, the same apps and I have a camera around my neck everywhere I go. So I'd like to see how this product <laughs> does. If I had to make a prediction and people come to me, um, what I think, I think this will sell you know, to a very niche audience, but it's not going to make a dent in the Android market share. I, I, I just don't see them competing enough with even, you know, the Pixels and Samsungs of the world, let alone the iPhone. So kudos to them for engineering what seems to be a great product. And uh, yeah, <laughs> we'll, we'll, we've given you enough free ad space here. You didn't pay yeah. for nothing, but here we are talking about this. Uh, let's move on to our favorite part of the show, and that is the creator draft picks. Anthony, we're going to start with you, sir. Sure. So, um, pun intended, my creator draft pick is the Sure PGA 58. Now, I got to take you into the history of Sure for a moment to understand this pick. Sure makes two models of this mic. You have definitely seen the PG58, uh, which is like that silver, silver grilled kind of microphone, almost like every comedian has used this particular microphone. Uh, every like low budget band is using the PG58, and for good reason, and that's because you could literally run that microphone over with a truck and it will still function. Sure, actually did that in an old advertisement. It was wild, it blew everybody's mind. But then they came out with this PGA58, and it's essentially the same mic, just cheaper. I would say not as well built. If you're somebody who is like myself though, podcasting, live streaming, um, you could definitely go with the PGA58 over the PG58 uh, and not really miss a beat because this is the exact same quality microphone. Uh, I've been using it to record almost every episode of the Good Morning Camera podcast uh, and I use it for my own work as well. This is a phenomenal microphone, very inexpensive. It's on our website for like 70 something bucks. Uh, the audio, audio quality is nearly identical to the PG58, um, but I wouldn't throw this microphone across the room and expect it to survive. <laughs> and you can definitely do that with the PG58, and that's why so many bands and such use that microphone. So love this pick. It's a great microphone. It's actually what I'm using right now, and I don't know. You can let me know. How, how does it sound? I, when I'm editing this podcast, I will let you know. And maybe I'll add a disclaimer at the end of the episode saying, uh, yes, I approve or I disapprove. So. <laughs> <laughs> but so, I mean, in all seriousness, you sound, you sound great so far. So great yeah. recommendation there. Um, we're going to stay on the audio train, but I might have to do two picks because I think I may have picked this before. And it is the Zoom F2 field recorder. Mm -hmm. uh, Anthony, did I did I mention this one? Did I, think, I mention this one before? I, think you I feel did. like I may have. I don't know. This though. is the one with the 32-bit float. Uh, I did, right? Like a, yeah, you did. I, think I you mentioned did. this one before, so I'm going to mention it again, but I got a one in my back pocket anyway. But this field recorder, I was recently in New York. I got invited out there, and while I was there, I'm like, hey, let me let me uh, produce something uh, uh, for an upcoming Henry's production. Um, and I was using it in the field. We were by trains we were by traffic and i had this on my talent they were talking and i, I was just worried i'm like oh man i just feel like there's just gonna be so much um just 
interference and, and environmental mm. noise into this. Went back to the hotel, put my headphones on, listened through it, and just the quality was so clean. It just focused in on the, on the talent of voice, isolated everything out. And because of that 32-bit float quality, it was easy to sort of isolate on that voice and take out most, if not all, of the background noise. So, mm. I'll, so I'll mention it again because I'm pretty sure I mentioned it before. But another recommendation, I'm going to talk about vintage lenses. And I don't think it's just one. I think just looking at the space of vintage lenses. I have had so much success with my Contax Zeiss lenses. So back in the day, Contax and Zeiss, uh, Japan, Germany, came together, made a suite of lenses. They cover the full frame sensor size, and you can use them on APS-C sensors as well. But they made these amazing lenses. Um, the ones I have are the MMJ versions. They have the Japanese coating on it. It has a, you know, some believe a slightly different look. Um, talking to experts and people that already had this kind of stuff, I kind of settled on that for my style. But it, it just unlocked a different kind of creativity where the things I were capturing felt less digital, felt less, you know, less over sharp, I guess. It didn't feel mm -hmm. so technical in a way. It felt more natural and I'm just having so much fun with it. And now I'm looking at different kinds of vintage lenses and pieces of glass to add to the kit. Talking to a friend of mine, Mark Holtz, uh, looking at some of the Helios 44-2 lenses and some oh, of the Jupiter yeah. lenses, uh, looking at the Canon FD lenses. There is just a ton of old glass on <laughs> eBay, on Kijiji, that, that will give you these beautiful results at a fraction of the cost to the point that even if you have, you know, one, two, three great lenses, you might just pick up one of these things, an adapter, just to get something a little unique. So mm -hmm. my pick is not one specific vintage lens. It's for you to go out and start looking at vintage lenses for your camera and start experimenting. You can find things for like 30, 40 bucks that are going to feel, I hate to use this word, but it's going to look magical in a very special way, especially if you're doing a lot of stuff where you have human subjects in front of you. So that is my pick, sir. Fantastic. And, you know, every once in a while, I think we should loop back uh, because not everybody is listening to every single episode and they're missing these little gems that you're we are dropping during the creator draft picks. So if you're not catching every episode, I think it might be uh, worthy to, you know, listen back on a few Those of the our... back catalog. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Amazing. So, Amazing. Yeah. Thank you, Anthony Jackson, live on the scene yeah, for this I, recording. I got to get out of here because uh, we've been recording for 30 minutes here and the car is getting hot. <laughs> <laughs> I will talk to you again in two weeks with some more exciting topics. Thank you guys for listening. If you haven't already, be sure to subscribe to the show. And if you're listening on iTunes, leave a review so more people can discover the show. If you have any questions or suggestions, just reach out to at Henry's Camera on Instagram or Twitter or Facebook and let us know what you think and what you'd like to see in future episodes. Until then, his name's Anthony, my name's Gadgen, and I'll see you guys next time. See ya.